If you're a news consumer in the St. Louis metropolitan region, you've probably seen Robin Smith on your television screen. Now the veteran journalist is making the transition into electoral politics. The Democratic nominee for Secretary of State joins us on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, seven, six, six five, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair As to I say. say. Hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is... Joe Manis. And the person who I declared before the show may have the best voice in Missouri politics. Yes, right now. We have as our special guest. I'm Robin Smith, and I am going to be your next Secretary of State in Missouri. Thank you very much for coming to the show, first Thank of all. Thank you. And the reason why I probably won that award is I'm your former television news anchor <laughs> yes. and reporter of four decades yeah. here in St. Louis, serving... Absolutely. The metropolitan area. Absolutely, absolutely. So you are the Democratic nominee for Secretary of State. We're yes. going to get to the the what you're going to do with the office and the political battle you have with Republican Jay Ashcroft. For for our listeners, we're going to be recording a show with Jay Ashcroft a, a couple hours from now. Neither candidate is going to be able to hear each other. It, they're they're going to have to stand on their own two feet. So right, to speak. right. So when you're listening to this, Jay Ashcroft will already have been recorded, and he will be running like. Within, Later in the week. Yes, yeah, within a day. But he will not have heard my interview Correct. before being recorded, which I think is perfectly fair and objective. We, Thank you for doing we, that. We are, we are all about fairness. So tell us a little bit about yourself. This is your first time running for political office, but you have a long professional background. And you're from a prominent political family. Uh, I am a political outsider. I am not a career politician. I have never been on the ballot before, and that is what 70% of all voters want, someone who is not a career politician. Well, talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, the infamous question, where you went to high school. <laughs> <laughs> I am a product of North St. Louis. I am a fifth-generation Missouri family, all five generations born right. here in the state of Missouri. My parents uh, were the first black to sit for and pass the CPA exam was my dad, Wayman yeah. F. Smith, and my right. mother was one of the first African-American Phi Beta Kappas in journalism west of the Rocky Mountains. She was a graduate of the University of Southern Cal. I'm one of three, born and raised in St. Louis, mostly educated in the public school system, a graduate of Lindenwood College in those days in St. Charles, where I actually started part of my broadcast career. I wrote for newspaper, but I have an undergraduate degree in psychology and an undergraduate degree in communications arts. So I wrote for a newspaper, worked for KCLC FM radio station before I even attended college. I had a third class FCC license in radio mm -hmm. and uh, went on to become a television news anchor in St. Louis, I'm proud to say for 42 years, and worked at all three major network affiliate stations, including the CBS owned and owned Channel 4, CBS. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't wasn't the largest block of your career at Channel 4? 38 of the 42 years. Okay. And, and I started there when it was a CBS-owned and operated television station. Were both your father and your brother in the Board of Aldermen? Yes. yes. Wayman Flynn Smith Jr. and Wayman Flynn Smith III. Yeah. My father and my brother were both members of the Board I of Aldermen. Yeah, and I covered the Board of Aldermen when your brother was on there. That's so. right, Joe. She has very high, high thing, or very good things to say about uh, your brother, first Thank of all. Thank you. And Joe and I have had the pleasure of serving 
since she was a young child <laughs> in journalism <laughs> since, here in St. Louis. Since we were both 10-year-olds. <laughs> right, that's it, but, since we were both 10-year-olds. And year as olds. Joe was about to say, well before I was born. <laughs> right, right, yes, right, right, that's right. right. Well, yeah. I'm just curious, because you are a political outsider. You've never run before. Your, your primary career is in journalism, but you have this familial background in at least local politics. So when you decided to get into this race, what sort of lessons did you kind of glean from watching your father and your brother in electoral politics? I think I gleaned the difference between being a politician and being a statesman. There's a huge difference. And I like to think of my father and my brother as statesmen, not people who may show the more negative side of politics, but people who had an altruistic reason for being in politics, to represent people, to make it a process of the people, by the people, and for the people, and to represent everyone. So what what made you decide to run for this office? And did, did were you recruited? Or was Absolutely it not. And okay. that rumor has been floating with different names attached. I won't even dignify those rumors mm-hmm. because they're all false. Well, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, just, just to say, I, I mean, my there's nothing and wrong I, with it. My husband and I had conversations with friends. Okay. We felt that now more than ever, the right to vote is under attack in Missouri, more than it's ever been in the history of this state. And it's under attack by people like Jay Ashcroft. And by the way, this is not a monarchy. This is not a dynasty. You can't hand the legacy of the being the king from your father to your son. And this is the type of politics we're seeing in Missouri. I'm an outsider, completely not a career politician. And what was most important to us is that no one shatter the Missouri Constitution. Please understand, my husband seated in the next room, Bud Stallworth, and I do not have the legal right to vote in these United States guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution. The Missouri Constitution is a perfect constitution the way it stands. It guarantees every resident, so long as they meet the requirements of residency and age, the right to vote. There's an entire political party that wants to shatter the Missouri Constitution, and we will not let that happen. You're referencing the fact that on the ballot with you is Amendment 6. Amendment 6. From that uh, backdrop, I'm guessing that you're against Amendment 6. Absolutely opposed to Amendment 6. These are not my beliefs. These are the decisions of the courts of the United States, both state and federal courts in North Carolina, Texas, Wisconsin, and our neighboring state of Kansas have tried to institute photo voter ID, and the courts have come back and said it violates the Constitution. And it definitely means that there are 220,000 people in Missouri who will no longer be able to vote. Who are they? They're the ones we want to protect the most. They're the fragile, the elderly. They're veterans. They are college students who are just trying to get an education. They are minorities. They are those who are disabled and don't own a vehicle and therefore don't have a driver's license. They're also people who are ecologically friendly who say, I don't want to pollute the air. I'm not going to drive a vehicle. I'm going to take Metrolink or I'll catch a bus or I'll ride my bike or I'll ride share with a friend and I don't need to have a driver's license. They catch Uber. Those are the people who don't have driver's license, and those are the people that John Ashcroft and the Republican Party want to make sure they don't have the right to vote. And I will not let that happen on my watch. Yeah, just to give a little um, backdrop to our listeners, Amendment 6 would require, would would allow, um, because under the Missouri Constitution, it's not allowed, 
they would allow the mandate that a person would have to have a photo ID to vote issued by the state. Yeah, issued and by it the... can't be your college ID. Correct. It can't be what they do in Florida, for example, which is people who, when they get to the age where they say, "I don't want to drive anymore." The state of Florida sends them a magnetic strip and says, hey, guess what? Congratulations. This is your permanent ID, your expired driver's license. They don't want that to happen. Yeah. In in Missouri, it would be uh, restricted as far it would be a government issued photo ID. And right now it would only be um, either a driver's license, passport, uh, something like like a congressional if you're a member of Congress and uh, and a veterans. um, Right. ID, but it cannot be expired. No. So what happens to the 90-year-old man or woman, the fragile, the elderly, who haven't driven in years? They have to find their birth certificate. You tell me how many 90-year-olds there are out there that have a birth certificate. They're few and far between because they were born there Now, now to be fair, there is a waiver uh, for people who are... Now, see, here's here's the issue. There's Amendment 6 that would allow it then there's an uh, implementation bill that is kind of waiting in the wings but could be changed. But right now, that would basically alleviate people who were born, I think, from the early 1940s. They wouldn't have to have one. And it also stipulates that the state would provide and pay for a photo ID for people who don't have driver's licenses. The issue is whether or not, and it also says that the state would pay for the documents that might be needed to get the driver's license. But there's some people who wonder if that's going to be possible to document all those expenses because... Think of what it's going to cost you, the taxpayer. Let me give you more numbers. And because my father was the first African-American CPA in the state of Missouri, he always told us life boils down to mathematical permutations and equations. So listen to this one. Are you afraid that people are going to go vote and impersonate someone else? Well, let's look at the numbers of one billion votes cast. There are exactly 31 cases of voter impersonation. That means the probabilities out of one billion votes, that's billion with a B, 31 cases of voter impersonation, that means the probability of you witnessing voter impersonation is .0003 or 4. That means you were more likely to be abducted by aliens than you are to witness voter impersonation. If aliens exist, of course. If, if they exist, of course. <laughs> oh, and I'm not exist. confirming the existence nor <laughs> the non-existence. I understand your point. I want to ask a more basic question. Why sure. did you decide to run for Secretary of State? And what about your professional background do you think makes you qualified uniquely for this job? I have a graduate degree in business, an executive master's in international business, which is from St. Louis University, right around the corner from your studios, Mm -hmm. which is something I don't think people know about me. So I am the best qualified because I have a graduate degree in business that addresses how to run such a large state office. My competitor knows how to build buildings and how possibly to do something in litigation. But please understand, any litigation that comes through the Secretary of State's office, any issues that need to be litigated are never litigated by the Secretary of State. Mm -hmm. They're litigated by the Attorney General. So it's a farce when they say, well, I've got a law degree, and therefore I can take care of the legal matters. No, you can't. It's all referred over. Well, that's interesting because there are aspects of the Secretary of State's office that deal directly with business, like business registration and securities as well. Absolutely. And I, next to the governor, will become 
the number two business executive for the state of Missouri. To have an LLC or any corporation licensed in the state of Missouri, you have to come through the Secretary of State's office. As you mentioned, the other instruments that we control, all of that is business-oriented. And my business degree, graduate degree in business, makes me eminently qualified for the office. Now, how do you plan to get your message out? I mean, because... Ashcroft has been raising a lot of money. I'm actually out fundraising Ashcroft in half for this entire quarter. Okay. So, is, do you, I mean, I know you don't want to give out your secrets, but I mean... Are, in general terms. Can can people assume that, that at some point there will be TV ads, that there will be there some will be, point? It would be a wise assumption that at some point there may be TV ads. There will definitely be newspaper. There will definitely be radio. There will definitely already exist social media, etc. Uh, now, I've read in other articles that one of the reasons you think you have a name ID advantage over your opponent is you've been on television for a long time, and your husband is a former NBA player who's well-known on the other side of the state. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Because, so I can give you the, yeah. the exact percentages. Right now, 42% of all voters necessary to win statewide already know who I am. They are in St. Louis City, St. Louis County, and then the 20 or so counties that surround St. Louis County. That's 42% of the vote necessary to win. In addition to that, my husband's on the other side of the state, and that's Isaac Bud Stallworth, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. And why would I mention a KU <laughs> uh, standout in MU territory? Yeah. The reason is there are more registered voters who vote in the Kansas City metropolitan area who are KU graduates than there are MU graduates. And no, the, for our My listeners in St. Louis, sorry to interject, no. but, but it may seem weird, but I've met many people from Kansas City who are much bigger Kansas Jayhawks fans than Mizzou Tiger fans. But continue. Absolutely. And a matter of fact, remind me to come back to the conversation about Tim Kaine, the vice president. Yeah. Okay. I've got some pictures to show you and some things to say about that. But to get back to the numbers, okay. so I have 42% of the vote on this side of the state. More important than name face recognition and people growing up with me, knowing that I'm fair, impartial, unbiased, and honest for four decades is the goodwill asset that causes people to always stop me and say, I'm voting for you, regardless of what their party is, regardless of what their race, their ethnicity. They know that I've spent four decades of my life covering everybody. I didn't walk up to you and say, are you a Democrat or a Republican? Oh, you're a Republican? I'm not going to cover your story. I didn't walk up to you, Joe, and say, Joe, what's your uh, religious background? Let me see if I'll, well, I don't cover that religious group. Mm -hmm. I covered everyone. And I will continue to represent everyone. And I will represent the 220,000 voters the Republicans want to get rid of. Let me give you the rest of the math equation. My husband on the other side of the state is one of only three people in the history of Kansas University to graduate academic All-American and athletic All-American. That's only three students have ever done that in KU history. He did go on to the NBA, but he did much more. He owned restaurants in Hawaii and Los Angeles. And then he came back for more than 20 years as the director of construction design management for Kansas University. So he was over construction companies, architects, and engineers, building buildings and expanding the campus, including the KU Medical Center. Now he is on television. He is retired. He is on television, ESPN style, uh, doing pre- and post-game coverage of, all, of many of the KU basketball games. So he's on television over there. And 30% of all voters necessary to win this office know me and respect me as Bud Stallworth's wife. We, between the two of us, have 72% of all voters in the state necessary to win this office already know us. Now, um, if you 
become elected, what are your goals? What are the things that you want to do with the office? Most important, I want to secure the fact that the Missouri Constitution will stay intact, a constitution that represents everyone, not just those who are wealthy enough to own cars. And I don't believe we should impose a modern-day poll tax. I'm reminded of the opening scene of Selma when Oprah Winfrey goes to ask for the right to vote, and the man looks at her and basically says, well, you have to pay us a test. Now, you know about the Supreme Court? Yes. Name all of the justices. And that they require something different for people who are minorities, who are disabled. They require an extra step for people who are elderly. They require an extra step for college students. When I take office, we're not going to do that. We're going to represent everyone. I would like to see us make it easier. I am always ashamed when I talk to SOS or secretaries of state in other parts of the country that have early vote. Yeah, and which it's been we do proven, not have. It has been proven successful, accurate, and the rest. I want to make sure that everyone has the access to vote. We should make it easier to vote. And I would really like for us to be on the cutting edge. I think we need to talk to the tech experts. We have a wealth of them in Missouri, both on the Kansas side and the St. Louis side and in between on campuses and in the private sector who in fact can look at why is it that I can bank on my phone? Why is it that you can move tens of thousands of dollars on a phone and it's secure, but you can't vote from a phone? Mm -hmm. And if you notice when you pass bus stops, people may not have a car, but they do have a cell phone. So I wanna make the process easier I want to make it more open, and I want to engage more people, not fewer, in the process of voting. If Amendment 6 passes and you become Secretary of State, would you try to, like, initiate a lawsuit to try to get it struck down? Because if, if it passes, I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, what your role would be in, in combating it. Like, how would you do that? I think that once um, if, if Amendment 6 were to pass, I would have to sit down with legal scholars and with sociologists and the like, and look at the impact both financially as well as legally before I would make a decision on that. Now, I wanted to ask you about another issue that's come to light, and that's absentee voting. Mm-hmm. As, as If you're Secretary of State, you will basically be the head elections official for the state. Correct. There has been a lot of media attention recently on how ab- uh, absentee voting has been conducted in the St. Louis area. Joe, I think you actually have a little bit more background on the this. The Hubbard yeah. and the Franks case yes. is what you're right, speaking of. Right. But it's not just that. It's actually more long-range. Yeah, I mean, it's been going on for a long time. I mean, there have been accusations for a long time. Now, two things for listeners to know. First, Amendment 6 would have nothing to do with absentee ballots. Absolutely nothing. And um, Thank you for making that point. And two, um, the accusations about absentee ballot fraud have gone on for decades. I mean, not just in the St. Louis area, but the St. Louis areas have been been among the more prominent. There is a lot of, uh, because of the legal case regarding the absentee balloting in the state legislative seat that required a new election, there is some controversy about how absentee balloting is going to be handled. For in person. Uh, for in, Now, we're talking about in person, not the ones where people uh, sign, let's say, in the nursing home, and they, they sign the paperwork, and it's notarized uh, by somebody there. Yeah. So, uh, but, but how would you, ha- I mean, I want to emphasize it's still up to the local prosecutors to handle any uh, accusations of um, fraud. And which is what's been ha- happening in the St. Louis area. But as Secretary of State, is there anything you might be trying to advocate regarding 
absentee ballots or just kind of how would you approach the issue? So let's be clear, in the Hubbard and the Franks case, it was handled perfectly. It was a judiciary move. It was a court decision. It has nothing to do legally with the Secretary of State's office. My opponent would want you to believe that he would have done various things in the Franks Mm -hmm. and the Hubbard case, which is just an overreach, and he doesn't have the legal authority of Secretary of State to do any of the things he says he would do. So in my opinion, I think that the judicial system handling those cases is the correct way. I do think that that is where those cases should go. A Hubbard and a Franks case should be decided by the courts and not by the Secretary of State. One of the consequences of that case, and I think that part A of this is going to be handled because there was a state law, is that you, can, you, you can't use touchscreen voting machines for, I guess, state-based race. There was, a, there was a case about federal races for disabilities that came out, too. Right, right. I mean, there's kind of a conflict between state law and federal law. The yeah. state right. law would appear to not allow um, touchscreen because— He says it has to be in an envelope. It has to be in an envelope. Right. But the federal law requires that election polling places have at least one touchscreen for— uh, people who are disabled. disabled. And the other consequence, which I think is going to be outstanding for here on out, is because of judicial precedent, absentee ballot applications are now public record because of this case. So I'm just curious, like, if your secretary of state and legislators are going to look to you to maybe change how some of the mechanics of absentee voting go, what would be kind of your, your opinion on how things go from here and with those two spheres in mind, basically? Again, you're talking about a conflict, though, existing between the federal courts and the state courts. Yeah. And I won't pretend for a moment to sit here and tell you which one I think should take precedent in this specific case. Mm-hmm. I do think that this is something that needs to be closely examined <laughs> by the Secretary of State's office. I do think that this, this is something that voters themselves may need to weigh in on, but I think this deserves a much longer conversation. And by the way, I wanted to bring up something because one of the things that my opponent will tell you when he comes in is that, well, we know that the photo voter ID in Missouri has been upheld by the Supreme Court and that Missouri's will be Mm -hmm. because we patterned it after that. Well, if he has that kind of crystal ball, I suggest you also ask him for the winning lottery numbers when he shows up. If he can predict what the Supreme Court will do with Missouri's photo voter ID laws. That's just one thing that I want you to be very strong about. No one can predict what the courts will do. As a matter of fact, the Supreme Court may not even come up with a decision uh, vote that would mean anything. So please note that no one can predict how Missouri would handle uh, or how the high courts would handle any kind of a challenge as has been successful in other states. Now, let's talk about your your race against Jay mm-hmm. Ashcroft. He won his primary by a pretty large margin. Many yes. people attribute that, even though Will Krause, I think, spent about a million dollars and had been running for a long time. But I think most people attributed his blowout win to his name recognition, right. especially among Republican voters. I mean, the Ashcroft name has been on the ballot statewide many times, mainly because his father, John Ashcroft, twenty years was was either attorney general, governor, or auditor. Yeah. Let so, me say clearly, so, yes. first of all, I'm an outsider. I'm not a career politician. I'm not a second generation career politician. And my daddy was not the governor. Mm-hmm. My daddy was not the U.S. senator. And my daddy was not the U.S. attorney general. Mm-hmm. I don't have any concern whatsoever about Jay Ashcroft's name face recognition. The name face recognition of Robin Smith is 42% of all voters necessary to win statewide. No Robin Smith and respect her for what she's done, not what her daddy has done. Mm-hmm. 
and another 30% of all people necessary to win know my husband and respect him for what he's done, not what his daddy's done. 72% of all voters know both of us. We're fair, impartial, unbiased, and truthful. Now, as for Mr. Ashcroft mm -hmm. as a competitor, yeah. it's simple. Let's look at history. First of all, in the the numbers I just gave you about my name, face recognition, and my husband's, and the fact that people respect us for being fair, impartial, unbiased, and truthful, was borne out on August 2nd. In the primary, I did not spend one dime on radio, television, or newspaper ads. Mm -hmm. Chris Coster's been on the ballot for 20 years and spent tens of millions of dollars on radio, television, and newspaper. Over although, the course of his career. Our, we go over yes. course of, not for this particular... No, over the course right, of his 20 correct. years okay. is what I said. He spent right. tens of millions sure. of dollars. Okay. Chris Coster came in with 78% of the vote statewide. Robin Smith came in with 77% of the vote statewide. 1% less than Chris Coster, and I didn't run any television, radio, or newspaper ads. As for Mr. Ashcroft, look at the last election. I think it was Shane Schuler who ran against Jason Kander. Yes, mm -hmm. in, in 2012. In 2012. The primary, there were some 500,000, I think, Republicans who voted to 200 and some odd thousand Democrats who voted in the August primary. Mm -hmm. But when it came to the general election, Jason Kander beat Shane Schuler. So history shows in Missouri there's a pattern. Republicans come out in large numbers in August for the primary, but Democrats come out in huge numbers, and the Democrats win in the general election I, I in just, November. I got to ask, though, is that really a fair comparison? Because Shane Schiller, first of all, was in a very competitive three-way primary for the Republican nomination, and you basically beat but, two perennial candidates, and so did Chris Coster. He beat three perennial candidates. I'm not comparing myself okay. to it. I'm saying that 78% of all voters sure. in Missouri voted for Chris Coster, who I mean, spent in, tons the, in, in the, the primary in, the, in, in August, the, in, August the in the Democratic Democrats. primary, right. and 77% of all voters voted for Robin Smith. That was 1% less mm -hmm. voters. Yeah. Now, statewide. Um, so, how do you feel the Democratic Party is doing as far as helping you get your message out? Uh, do you feel that the ticket's working um, well together? I mean, I'm old enough to remember way back in the 90s when Mel Carnahan used to have them like travel in a plane together, you know, and do kind of this uh, fly around. Of course, that hasn't gone That hasn't on. happened in no, years. No, no, it And hasn't. you and I do remember those days. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you, I but, but there have been some, including. Congressman Lacey Clay, who have said that there needs to be more of a coordination to try to get uh, Democrats to come out. Because this is a really important office, not Correct. only politically, but functional functionally, it's a very important office. And it I is. feel like the Democrats should be putting a lot of effort to retain it, given that they've controlled it. it for like 20 of the last yes. 24 years or Correct. something. Correct. Correct. So, so what are I you... I mean, so are, are, are you getting advice or help or anything? There has been an attempt to have a coordinated campaign this year. Right now, there are pieces of literature that include all of us that are being provided by the Democratic Party, and distribution of those pieces are going out. So when you're talking about the mail side of this, mm -hmm. um, yes, there is coordination. I think all of us talk with each other, compare notes. The most recent poll that was released, uh, the Missouri Scout poll this past weekend, right. shows that Jay Ashcroft and I are four percentage points away from each other. He has 44%, I have 40 but... 
the margin of error is 2.7 something percent, which is 3 percent, which means non- that we're an, statistically tied. I don't Correct. mean I, so, I, I don't mean to disparage that poll because I think it's widely cited, but it's also an automated poll, which I have some oh, it's also a poll. It. Well, I, here's the here's yeah. the fun part for me. Yeah, it's a re- poll run by a Republican yeah. company. Co- so if Jeff they Rose see company. me as statistically tied with Jay Ashcroft, oh, I, I would think that I'm, I'm winning over saying, Jay Ashcroft. I'm not saying that you aren't. You could very yes. well be tied or winning. I'm just saying, like the Remington poll, while it is cited, and I'm I'm sure it has been advanced beyond many automated polls. Right. It, it's an automated poll, and there are issues with that. I'm not kind of disagreeing with your thesis. I'm just putting that out there for our listeners, but yeah. continue. Yeah, because well, yeah, there have been, I can get into the whole thing about, about polls. polls. Yeah. But, but I can but, too. But yeah. Because, Especially how you formulate the question. Just well, from the exactly. genesis Correct. of the poll. And automated polls are where you get that automated voice and and, and you press one for this or two, two for, for this or three for yeah. that. And there's many people who don't stay on. There's been a lot of questions about the accuracy over the years of automated polls, whether they're run by Republicans yeah. or Democratic and, firms. And the real reason I mentioned that is we don't know what the turnout is going to be for the presidential race. If there's a big turnout for Hillary Clinton in Missouri, that obviously helps you regardless right. of what the polls say. So that's right. that's why I was bringing that up, not yeah. to, to say, no, you're you're – 20 points behind right now. No, I am exactly four points behind, which is the margin of error in that poll, which means, according to the Republicans, Jay Ashcroft and I are statistically tied, when in fact, since it's a Republican poll, I think that it clearly says that I'm winning over Jay Ashcroft. Now, I do want to ask this because I'm from Illinois. We've already had like four or five African-American statewide officials, including somebody who became president of the United States. So, it shouldn't be a situation in Missouri where this is that groundbreaking. But if you are, if you do win, you would be the first African-American statewide official in the state's history. I mean, what do you what do you think about possibly being the trendsetter or being the person that breaks that barrier if you win? Makes history. Yeah. I would hope at this point that people are judging me by the content of my character and not the color of my skin. Yeah. Well, that's the reason I mentioned that on the outset, because in other states like Illinois, we've blown past that barrier already. But in Missouri, you're you're the first woman African-American ever to win a statewide nomination, let alone a statewide office before. Now, as you travel the state, um, what sort of reception are you getting just in general? Um, I know for Democrats, it's more it's very important for the to get the urban areas and the suburbs. You know that. And whereas for the Republicans, it's the rural areas in the suburbs, so the battlegrounds in the suburbs. Just kind of uh, your take on what you're seeing, what you're hearing as you're traveling around the state. What I'm hearing and what I want to represent with this campaign is unity of this state. We have had too many negative messages. The full recital of those need not be enumerated here. But I want to represent a campaign that is inclusive of everyone. Everyone of different colors, different educational backgrounds, race, religion, creed, national origin. I think that I'm hearing from people that same message, that they want to see a positive person taking the office of Secretary of State. And it is important to them. What they tell me is, it's interesting to hear people say it because they'll say things like, you know, you done me right when you were in television news. I remember when you did a story on, and they'll tell me what the story is, and they'll say, and you know what? You just walked straight down the middle on that. You didn't take one side or the other. You're really fair, and I want you to be my Secretary of State. I hear people telling me that they believe that I'm truthful, fair, unbiased, and impartial, and that that's who should be the chief elections officer, and that is who should be 
the second highest business officer for the state of Missouri. And by the way, by bringing businesses to Missouri, because you have to come through the Secretary of State's office, we have the opportunity to increase employment. The more businesses we have coming to the state, the more we have jobs. And that's my my graduate level degree in business that says that to me. We have to do that. Now you mentioned Kane because I know I mean as as both of us know all of us know here. Yes. Um, in the presidential contest, so far there have been very few visits by anybody on either side, especially since the primary. Okay, so um, because here's we're not a, a battleground oh, state. But here is Exhibit A. This is my picture with Hillary Clinton. Uh, taken outside her jet. It is real September for our listeners. 8th. This it is, is not. This now, is when not... was this taken? September eighth, when she came to speak to the clergy in Kansas City, and Reverend yeah. Cleaver, who's also the United States congressman on the Kansas City side, nice picture. made it imperative that I meet her, and she wanted to meet me because she wants to meet candidates who she believes a are going to win, and b and c that are going to protect the rights of minorities and women. Mm-hmm. And she recognizes the importance of minorities to her becoming the first female president. Exhibit B, Tim Kaine. This was taken in Philadelphia with my husband uh-huh. and Tim Kaine. Great story about this. I knew, uh, and my husband knew, that Tim Kaine is a Mizzou grad, but he and his parents are huge KU basketball fans. <laughs> so I had told my husband if I ever get within 10 feet of Tim Kaine, I would say Rock Chalk, Jayhawk, Bud Stallworth is here. And that's exactly what I did. Uh, I <laughs> saw him at the breakfast for our candidates um, and for all of the delegates mm-hmm. in Philly at the Democratic National Convention. Yeah. He spoke. As he came down off the podium, I stuck out a business card between the bodies of two Secret Service agents and said, Rock Chalk Jayhawk, Bud Stallworth's here. <laughs> and at least he, they didn't. <laughs> and they didn't take my arm off. And, I was going to say, <laughs> they didn't Service. jump you. No. And what they did was... Tim Kaine looks at me and goes, Bud Stallworth, Bud Stallworth, where's Bud Stallworth? And I went, right here. And I pointed above my head, and he looks up. He goes from my nose straight up in the air, and he goes, Bud Stallworth, oh, my God, we've got to talk. I had no idea that he had not met my husband and therefore would enjoy it. So we have pictures of that as well. And then here is my husband uh, with me outside of Hillary's jet on the tarmac. That's her new jet yeah. uh, I, I was talking in Kansas City. To, I was talking to your husband before the show, and I want to defend Tim Kaine here because he has been criticized by some Missourians for going to Mizzou but still being a Kansas Jayhawks fan because he grew up in the Kansas City area. <laughs> he did. And I am a Chicagoan or a Chicago suburbanite, okay. and I grew up during the, the era of Michael Jordan Bulls. So right. by that logic, I should have been a Bulls fan. But right. – I'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan because all those games were sold out, and I went to Milwaukee, and okay. that's my team. Right. And they've been my team even when they were terrible and even when the Bulls were good. Right. And I think that Tim Kaine was taking a similar philosophy, but the difference right. is Kansas Jayhawks have been significantly better than Mizzou in basketball probably for the last 30 to 40 years. So yes. I, I, I do want to defend the vice presidential candidate on that because I have gone through a very similar thing myself. So, so. do you think there's going to be much of a trickle down? I mean, this is my point about the presidential contest. So far, they're not doing that much campaigning in Missouri because the Democrats don't need Missouri to win the White House. And uh, so as a result... Uh, neither side has been doing that much campaigning, especially since the conventions. Now, this has been the case for about the last couple cycles since 2008. Um, but my question is, sometimes, though, the turnout of people who come out on the presidential level does affect down ballot. And so that was the point that I was making to you earlier. Just look at 2012. The Republicans had a blowout 
with Shane Shuler, 500,000 votes compared to Jason well, Kander Romney, having 200,000. And Romney carried the state by about 10 points. Right. But when you got to the general election, it bears out what I've said that historians have proven in political science, and that is in the November election of a presidential year, Democrats come out in much larger numbers than Republicans, and that is why you have Jason Kander as your current Secretary of State. Absolutely. Apples to apples. Also because Claire McCaskill decimated Todd Aiken, and that yeah. kind of blunted the Romney trickle-down blunted. as well. Yes. Blunted, blunted is blunted. probably not the right word. That's okay. We'll, we'll use that one. Stymied. Stymied. Well, we appreciate you coming on. We, we if, if you win, obviously you get to come back as many times when as I you When I win, I will be back. Absolutely. Okay. For all of our stories, stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at Jamie. Manis, that's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And I looked this up before the show. We can follow you on Twitter with Robin Smith. At, at with, Ro- with Robin Smith is my Twitter handle, Robin Smith 2016 on Facebook. And our website is www.robinsmith2016. I just want to say thanks to Jason and to Joe. Fair, impartial, balanced, and unbiased interviewing. And I appreciated every moment of it. Well, we appreciate you coming here. And until next time, so long. Can we try and take the high road?